hey, thanks for taking the time to watch the video. And I just hope that every single one of these episodes has the ability to connect coaches and their players. My guest today is a friend of mine, and I met him in 2012. Uh, we were playing for the Ashboro Copperheads in the Coastal Plains League and just kept in touch ever since. Um, he's a Canadian, which is why I've got my lovely Blue Jays hat on here, but I will be representing as always. He is the head baseball coach for the Abbotsford Cardinals and is also the director for their player development and player placement. This is a high school program in Abbotsford, Canada, and they are on the West Coast. He deals a lot with recruiting internationally, high school to college, junior college to college, uh, four-year that is. So for you guys out there watching, and I normally do interviews with college coaches, he is a former college coach who now serves his program as the player placement and player development coordinator. Um, so he has a lot of experience from the college level. He coached here in the States um, for Georgia Southwestern and as a graduate assistant at West Alabama. Taylor played all five years at West Alabama. He's a left-handed pitcher and he's got a lot of experience and a lot of game knowledge. And I'm hoping that this episode brings a lot of information and education to kids, either on the international side of things or just straight out of the gate, out of high school and not really knowing some of the aspects of what you're going to deal with in the situation that is the COVID-19 pandemic and how to kind of go about your recruiting process a little bit differently, knowing that all these kids who are at the college level are going to get that year back. So without further ado, here's Find Your Fit. I'm your host, John Harris. I hope you enjoy. All right. Well, Taylor Bratton, thanks for joining me, man. Always a pleasure. Oh, yeah, buddy. Been a while. Haven't seen you since, what was it, Nashville? More than likely. Face-to-face -face would have been Nashville. Yeah, and before that would have been when we came out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you came out here. I don't know. Well, it, feels like, it feels like I haven't seen anybody in so long with, with COVID and stuff, not being able to travel, so... Yeah, as soon as as soon as that kind of gets back under normal standard operation, I think we'll have to come out and, you know, welcome your new edition properly. Yeah, coming in middle of June, first time father. That's hasn't really hit me yet that I'm nervous. Um, I think, you know, just from talking to you, you kind of expect to be nervous a little right. bit. So I'm sure uh, I'm sure it'll hit when it gets a little bit closer. But luckily, uh, we'll have a season to kind of distract me a little bit from some right. of those numbers. So yeah. should be right, but it's exciting. Right, well, yeah, it's absolutely exciting. And I'm so happy for you and Jen. I think it's going to be awesome for you guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, uh, let's get into it. So, you know, tell us a little bit about your background and, you know, let's kind of dive into your playing career and kind of where you've been and what you've done. Uh, well, grew up in Oakville, Ontario, um, playing high school travel ball through there. Uh, which we can get a little bit more into how travel ball and stuff works up here compared to, to the U S stuff. Um, but played five years down at university of West Alabama, uh, got to pitch a lot through 275 innings over four years. Um, got a, got a few phone calls and stuff around draft time, but nothing there. Um, ended up signing and playing independent ball in Winnipeg, uh, and played there for a season went back for the following spring and unfortunately hurt my shoulder. Um, was at the point where I was able to kind of rehab and, and test it out and see. Um, but I think it was kind of at the point where I needed surgery and at, at that age and, you know, realizing that there's not much, not much left in front of you. I, I made the decision to stop playing and mm -hmm. called up coach Rundles, uh, my old coach at West Alabama, who, He's probably pushing 20 years there now. Uh, called him up, asked if he still needed a graduate assistant. And luckily, he still had the spot and brought me on. Uh, and that kind of got me into coaching and ended up uh, doing a year of that before finishing with my master's. And then got the pitching coach job at Georgia Southwestern for a year. Uh, and then at that point, that's when the visa issues started to come into play. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, I had to come back home. Uh, so I was out of college coaching. However, you know, after three or four years of that, you kind of realized that might've been the best thing to happen to me. Um, 
met my wife because of it, moved out West coast. I've been here. This is my third year now. Um, and things are going really well. Um, yeah. obviously most importantly, you know, on the personal standpoint, um, you know, the next stages of life all happen because of those visa issues. So I'm, right. I'm not complaining. Um, yeah. So somewhat a good came out of a bad scenario. Exactly. Right. right? Yeah. It, it, at, at the time, uh, felt like it might've been the worst thing to happen. Um, but it turns out it was probably the best thing to end up happening. Yeah. So. That's, I always make that distinction. It's like the goals or the, the game plan you have for like the year. I, I'm very interested to hear how, how guys plan their year out in, in the game, especially in coaching. It's like you plan out what you have opportunities for. And then you look a year back and you're like, none of that happened. Like, and you're better off because of it. So obviously you have a similar situation with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of touch on uh, and expand on your path and kind of what you thought was going to happen. Obviously you said you had visa issues, but as a coach, like not everybody goes through that because we're all probably from the States at that point. So when you go through something like that as a coach, like how did that kind of get you in transition mode? And then what were some of the things that you had to handle that you may not have been prepared for, but now obviously, you know, like, like you said, it turned out for the best, but kind of walk us through those scenarios to where as coaches, we can kind of take away something of saying, you know, we know our kids are going to handle adversity, but shoot, what happens when we handle adversity? Yeah, I think, honestly, I think just playing baseball in general uh, kind of prepares you for that situation because it is such a game of failure that, you know, when you're on the mound, you can't show emotion. You can't let the other team know that, you know, internally you may be struggling. And so it, it kind of all applies to that with with my scenario and, and being Canadian and, and dealing with visa issues and that none of that decision was in my hands. You still can't show your frustration because at, at the time when I was dealing with the visa stuff, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you remember, but you and me were actually coaching together uh, in Ashboro. And I mean, we're in the middle of the season in one of the arguably one of the most competitive college summer leagues. And we had to go out there and still show like we're in control. Right. And, and we, we are in control of our emotions, especially when, you know, you're taking 18, 19, 20 year old kids who get frustrated at very little things. You know, we still have to be in control. We can't let external factors factor into what we do, you know, on field, right. um, you know, and, and so dealing with that in the middle of the summer and, and kind of realizing almost right before that kind of playoff push that, I didn't have a job anymore and that I, I had no idea what was going to happen for the next year. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to deal with, but you end up realizing that, you know, the relationships you have in baseball, you know, thankfully I had you and Jacoby there with me that, you know, two guys that have become really close friends through baseball, um, you know, to kind of help you through that. And, you know, provide options and, and just bounce ideas off each other of other things that you can do. And, uh, and it worked for an extent. I, I grabbed myself another semester, um, down there before, again, the, the visa issues came up and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at that point it was, it was a bit of a headache. It was, you know, I don't want to deal with this again. Like let's stay at home the rest of this year and then try and figure something out after that. Um, so my first year back at home actually, the intentions were to still try and get uh, a visa, but I was going to try and get a different one, get a TN visa and try and go down and teach. Meaning I'm looking more in the junior college level, having a master's, being able to teach some courses and coach at the same time. Um, And, you know, came across paths with other people and they provided me an opportunity to move West um, to Abbotsford here. And um, for those who don't know, I'm about, two and a half, three hours north of Seattle. Uh, so I'm in the heart of constant rain. Um, but luckily enough, it decides to stop for the summer so we can play a full 48-game season. Um, but that ended up being one of the best things to happen is, is moving out here. Um, you know, and, and keeping the, the connections and the relationships, 
has transitioned from being in college and trying to recruit high school kids and junior college guys from the four-year level now being on the high school side now I'm still using those same connections but it's flipped now I'm trying to send you my guys to junior college and four-year levels so so that's a good segue into understanding what your organizational role is now and what you're doing so give me a little bit about what you're doing who the organization is and kind of how you guys go about your business yeah so moving out here um Came out as as the 18U pitching coach and college placement coordinator. Uh, and then over the past year, uh, a lot of changes have been made out here. Um, so now I'm the head coach and still doing the college placement. Um, got some guys with me. But the biggest thing, um, so our team, the Abbotsford Cardinals, started up, I believe it was 1999, uh, in the Premier Baseball League uh BC PBL. Um, so familiar names coming out of this league, you've got, you know, Larry Walker, uh, James Paxton, Jason Bay, Ryan Dempster, uh, Jeff Francis, um, all those guys coming out of this league. Um, so there's a lot of talent out here. And I think in my honest opinion, it's very untapped for Canada. Um, you know, some of the arms that are in this league are, are very impressive. Um, you know, we can touch more on, on some of the guys we have there uh, a little bit later. But, um, yeah, the biggest thing is is trying to set these guys up for the college level, trying to make it to where they understand what they are getting into at the next level. And I think the unique thing is uh, there's not that many high school coaches up in Canada that have been on both sides of it, that have been in the college ranks. And even though I was only there for two and a half years, I learned enough in that time of how that works and what that's supposed to be like, right? The playing experience aside, because when you're a player, you, you're like a horse with blinders. You you think right. you're okay and that's it. You don't think the way that the coach is thinking, right? Right, and, or you don't, even, you don't even concern yourself with half of it. No, exactly. And you know, and then you get onto the other side of it uh, and you start to understand why your coach made those decisions. Mm -hmm. And so now coming into the high school side, I, have, I feel like I have a better understanding of, uh, you know, how to find that fit for these kids because I know right. a little bit about what that college coaching aspect is like and what they need and what they're looking for. Um, so I think that's kind of a unique thing that, uh, we're able to do here uh, is do our best to find that fit as opposed to get you the best offer, get you out of here um, and make our program look good because we sent 17 kids out on scholarship. And right. That was it. It's so where, where's your fit. Right. And so for me, I guess the, if, if I'm playing devil's advocate to some degree, it's like, is, is your goal year to year just for that number? Like for you being that player development coordinator and almost the placement coordinator too. It's like, well, what's your goal? What's your end game for these guys? My, my end game. Uh, obviously I love every kid who wants to go and play. They have a spot to go and play. So this year we have a huge class. We've got 17 kids mm -hmm. that are graduating this year. Uh, and all 17 kids want to continue playing. Mm -hmm. um, now, being in Canada, we're, we're unique um, because we have options in that as well. There are leagues up in Canada where you can continue to play post-secondary, uh, and it's still quality baseball, and that is like the equivalent of getting our in-state tuition, right? right? It's a lot cheaper for them to stay here. And so some of our guys, that's, that's their case, right? They want the good quality education that they can get here, but they want to stay close to home. Mm -hmm. um, and so we have probably three or four kids every year that are like, I'd like to try and stay in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, now there are, you know, it is a little different. They are club teams. Um, there are a few that are not that do compete in the, in the U S um, UBC is probably the most notable with that um, being an AIA. Uh, but every kid that wants to go and play, my goal is one, you're going somewhere where you're going to get your education 
And that hasn't changed from when I was recruiting in college. Number one goal is getting your education. Uh, number two for me is finding a place where I never see you at Christmas time unless you're only coming home for Christmas to visit, but I don't want you coming home at Christmas and then you don't go back. Cause that means for me, I missed something in finding that fit because you went down and you weren't happy and you chose to come home. Now, if it's something different where it's personal reasons or whatever, uh, that's different. But if it's something to do with the school, I feel like I missed something. So for Mm -hmm. me, that's a bit of a failure, right? We didn't find that fit. Now, if you grind it out through the entire year and realize something like, you know what, it's not for you or you can't see the same opportunity that you did when you signed, I'm okay with it. Let's work on trying to find that opportunity if that's what you want. Um, but for me, I could care less about the, the offer that you get. Um, it needs to be a fit where when you tell me your top three things that you're looking for and you tell me that those are a place that I can go and develop, a place that I can go and play, uh, a winning program, and then your fourth one is the offer or you know how affordable it is for you. That's your fourth thing. Right. Well, then I could care less if you end up being a walk-on or not, as long as it checks those boxes and somewhat in that order. Right. And I think the the negative, the and I say the stigma or the stereotype is like, well, you know, who's to say that the walk-ons are happy? You know, but then again, if you look at those three things that have led up to the number that they were given at the sit-down table meeting, it's like, well, yeah, of course they're going to be happy because they're going to get an opportunity that's real. They're going to have a coaching staff that was transparent with them in the first place. And they're going to have a place where they enjoy the campus life as much as they enjoy the sport life. So it, it sounds like you are doing exactly that to where if somebody's only interested in the dollar figure, they're going to lose out, right? Oh, absolutely. And it's, you know, the, where we're at in the world right now with COVID every school across the country, their budget has been cut. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's shrunk tremendously. Uh, and that's if they kept their program. Right. You know, there, yeah, there's been programs that have been cut completely uh, to where, you know, trying to stretch that dollar as much as you know, right. you know, you're trying to stretch that dollar and make it compete and spread it out through your entire roster. Throw on the fact that, we're walking in automatically having to pay out-of-state tuition. Mm-hmm. So even if I've got a kid that's 85, 88, and he's talking to a school out in Texas, they could throw a rock and hit 10 of those guys, and those 10 guys are going to be cheaper, mm-hmm. right? So that's why, for me, the financial part, yes, as important as it is, it's a big question that I have more so for the parents, not the kid. And it's what can you afford and what is the most that you are willing to pay right. to check all these other boxes? Yeah. And Garen and I touched on this, you know, last week was, you know, are these kids having that conversation? Who's having these conversations with the kids and the parents to kind of get their mind wrapped on how much is this really going to cost? What does this really look like? Because the last thing you want is for a kid to shut the door behind them in the dorm room and go, oops, we made the wrong choice. Right. You know, and it's, the the good thing is um, the group of kids that we have here do a very good job of taking care of what they need to in the classroom uh, where we're full of guys that are three, five GPAs or higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, as well as I do for all those high school kids coming out, if they end up going to a four year level, their academic money is huge mm-hmm. uh, depending on program, obviously, but their academic yeah. is big. Um, you know, I had a kid a, a year or two ago who had three offers from four-year schools. One was a $26,000 school out of state. One was 35 and one was 45. And you took all the academic money that he was offered out of the equation or, and added that in, every school cost the same. So now at that point, it was, okay, what are you getting baseball-wise? So the $45,000 school can probably offer you fifteen grand academically but the 26 can only give you two and it's, you know, it's based on different situations, but at the end of the day, it was all completely balanced out. So now mm-hmm. it was, okay, 
let's take that out of the equation. What's the next, what's the next factor for you? Right. Where are you going to go play? Where are you going to be happy? That's, that's what I try and find is what is going to make you happy. And I'll have that conversation with our guys constantly. And I'll have to have it multiple times throughout a year because 16, 17, 18 year old kids, their mind changes all the time. What's cool. Mm -hmm. What's not cool. Right. What do I want? What do I not want? Uh, all of that changes. Right. So you get a kid that says, yeah, I want to, I want nice facilities. I want all this. And so you find that fit or so you think, and then turns out that it's probably not what they really wanted. That's what they thought they wanted at first, but what they really wanted was I want a place where I can go play right away. Right. Well, that's hard to do at the four-year level as it is. And now take in the fact that we're international and we've got to compete with guys that can possibly play all year round. Right? We can't do that. Yeah, we're fortunate enough to have an indoor facility. Glorified indoor facility. It's a canvas bubble that is freezing cold. Or there's days I'm in there wearing two hoodies. Yeah. Uh, but we have that still. We can go in. We can do stuff all year right. round. Yes, but it is not the same to throw into a net or hit off of a tee or hit off of BP in a cage than it is to be out on field, long mm -hmm. toss there, take ground balls. You know, we've got 90 feet. So taking ground balls is, it's tough, mm -hmm. you know, you can do it, but it's not the same as being out on field, getting, you know, being able to read those hops, know what it's actually going to take. Right. And, and being in the Midwest for a year of understanding what a real winner looks like, it's, you know, I'm sure it has nothing close to the level of winner that Western Canada is facing, but yeah, um, right. you get, you get creative with your practice plans to a certain degree with what you have, what your availability is, but ultimately the structure in which you have to confine yourself to. So, you know, I understand that completely. And that's one of the issues your guys face. I mean, that's, you know, kind of leading into the last little segment that we're going to talk about. It's just, you know, the recruiting side of things you've touched on already, but there's a lot of things that one international guys are dealing with two high school guys in the situation where COVID's given all basically every player on the planet for baseball, the extra year of eligibility, except high school players. And now it puts you in a scenario where, you know, the roster that was supposed to have 35 guys on the team now has 45 or something to that nature. So talk a little bit about, you know, what on your end, these issues that some of your guys are facing, um, especially now in the, situation we're dealing with in 2020 and 2021 yeah we're it's always hard being international as it is like i said you know having to compete with with guys who can potentially play all year round or guys that are just flat out more affordable because you can get government financial aid you can get in-state tuition uh, all of that stuff it makes a kid more affordable so for us we almost need to showcase our guys to the point where we're going to come in and we have a shot to impact you right away, no matter what mm -hmm. level we're at. Um, so kind of just touching on, on what we were talking about with the indoor before uh, from the offensive standpoint, we always know if you're, if you hit, you're going to play. So when it gets cold and we can't go outside, we're hitting right. And we're firing up the hack attack. We're, blowing the doors off of our guys for a month and a half before they get the timing down with it. But we're going to end up seeing that work now where I'm really excited about where we're at because our guys are hitting baseball harder than I've seen. And, you know, when we have access to a rap soto and we can see those numbers and they start to realize that, man, if I hit one that's 10 feet in front of me up off the top of the cage, it's actually not a bad swing if I square it up mm -hmm. and the stuff that's going to the back of the cage is nothing but a single. If it's, if it's hit hard enough. Right. right. Um, so it, it kind, kind of, of, it kind of brings in the mindset of the player of once you make contact in a cage, you're visualizing in your head, but to have that straight out, you know, straight out of the, the analytical machine of telling you, well, this is what it actually did, yeah. you know, kind when of gives your guys some resolve. When, when we're stuck inside, uh, and we're doing nothing but hitting in cages for three months, maybe four. Uh, it gives you that perspective of, okay, now if I'm on field, this is actually what just happened. So okay. I may have gotten frustrated before, but that's actually a good swing for me. That's right. where I need to be. And not everybody's going to be 
guy that's trying to hit it, um, you know, hit it up at the, at the 25 degree launch angle, right? Like I'm, you know, me, I'm a, I'm a pitcher, like I care less, right. I'm trying to get you hit ground balls, but our hidden guy, right. He, we're broken up into groups of, we've got bigger guys that that's what they need to try and do. Then we've got the guys that need to be a little bit lower. And then we've got our guys that you need to execute no matter what. Right. And so for us, issues that we have, it's hard for coaches to come up and see us. Right. And we're limited on a budget where these kids are paying to play. Uh, we're limited on where we can go and travel. And so to actually get eyes on our guys is very difficult. Um, so that's where a lot of what we're trying to do is based off of video, uh, but based off trust and relationships with coaches. Um, and that's the, that's the biggest factor for me is those relationships that have been built, trying to work with those as much as you can. And I'm not afraid to, you know, cold call or DM guys on Twitter and try and build new relationships. Um, but you know, as well as I do, and sometimes you hear no more than you hear yes. Right. So maybe I don't have that fit and I'm, I'm okay if I don't have a fit with you for two or three years, but I would like to stay in contact because that one day I might have that guy for you. And I don't want to just be pushed aside because you don't know who I am. And that's why I love the ABCA. You get a chance to go meet these guys face to face. Uh, you know, and I had a perfect, perfect scenario with that. Uh, not last year, the year before um, where I'd been kind of messaging a guy back and forth. Uh, and then he took a job at a junior college and now he's at uh, Kaskaskia in Illinois and we were in contact about four or five different guys just based on that relationship. But I actually got to meet him face to face. And I think that alone, just shaking hands before COVID uh, grew that relationship. Um, but our issues, biggest thing is going to be the financials. Um, and especially with COVID now and budgets being shrunk. And like you said, rosters being you know, instead of just competing with one class, now you might be competing with two because kids are getting that extra year, but we're not, our guys are still graduating high school. They're still having to move on, um, to where now, like you said, you might be going in instead of competing with 35 now you got to compete with 45. Yeah. You're I, I don't think, I don't think the NCAA or NAI ever really thought about the, the repercussions of the plan on the younger group considering that they were going to do the exact same thing with the junior college kids. So like, what was the goal just to start a, a big old giant log jam of players. And, you know, like we went through this, I think, especially in the States, like we, and Canada too. It's like, there have been times where we've gone to war as a country and like, you know, guys come home and they get their eligibility back, I think to a certain degree, but you have to have qualified for it in order to get it back. If you went off and then you're going to come back and play I think they should have thought about a similar scenario as far as the repercussions of the classes that would ultimately just start taking over these rosters. And, and that, you, you know, you're going to turn people away at some point uh, coming into a system or whether or not they want to play anymore. I mean, there's, you know, think kids quit all the time, but I was just really kind of taken back when the NCAA, the NAI and JUCO all decided to do the same plan. And I was like, well, who's, who's taking care of the high school kid? Nobody was taking care of the high school kid. I had a, I had a conversation with a coach back in probably back in September or October. Um, and I was, I was excited. Like I've, I've got pretty good arms this year and I was excited because usually placing a high school arm, that's going to be 84, 86, 87, isn't that difficult. They're going to have plenty of options. Uh, and so when I, when I sent off, I got the three of those guys and I sent off their videos and names and info about them. And, you know, I heard back, I was like, yeah, I like them, but I, I, one, I got no money for them. And two, like nineties, the new 85, right. For, for those programs now with COVID and how they have guys coming back that are doing a third year of junior college, possibly 
or, you know, they're getting a repeat of their freshman year. They've all had that whole year of development at the junior college level, actually getting into a weight room, getting stronger. And so for, if everyone in the country has that, yeah, he's not wrong. 90 is the new 85. Right. And so for, for my guy, that's, that's 85. It's hard to find a fit now. And he might've been a guy that could have gone to, you know, a 30, 35 win program that would be like, absolutely. Yeah. I'll take, I'll take a, an 85 arm and, and we'll turn him into that 90 arm. It's a struggle sometimes to find, to find a guy that's, that needs an arm. And, and you get situations where schools are like, yeah, I, I need, you know, I need three guys because I've got everybody coming back. So I only need three and that's it. And that makes it tough. Um, you know, so we've been, been pretty lucky so far, um, with having some strong relationships with guys and being able to, to find some fits for a lot of our guys. And, um, you know, sometimes it is a thing where it's, Hey, it's a, you, I got a spot for you right now and it's a walk on opportunity. Um, but just so you know, my number one and number two and my starting center fielder and my starting shortstop all started out as walk-ons, right? And to try and create that comfort level for the player, because it, it is kind of a pride thing. You do want to hear and feel like you did get a scholarship and that, you know, it kind of, it does make you feel wanted. Yes. But knowing that you've got a shot to go and play is more important than someone giving you $2,000, right? Because at the yeah. end of the day, the difference between paying, you know, paying $12,000 and paying $10,000 isn't going to break the bank for a lot of people. No, but, and it shouldn't deter their decision either. Right. But if you have a shot to go and throw, you know, as an arm, you've got a shot to possibly jump into a program and throw 30, 40, 50 innings as a freshman versus someone gave you $2,000, but you might only throw 10 that's where you end up having to ask yourself, what is more important to you is playing more important or is the financial side just that important to you? Cause if that's the case, then we're just going to sit here and try and find you the best offer. Right. Yeah. Then, then your, then your gears sort of change as far as finding a location or finding a fit for that player. Right. And a lot of the times, if that is the case and that becomes a little bit more of a priority, you end up hearing it a couple of years later that, they might be unhappy because they're not playing as much. Well, ask yourself, what were you really asking for? What were you looking for? Right. And I know it kind of sounds harsh sometimes of saying like, man, you made the wrong decision when you're 18, but you know, that's what me and, and Paul, our assistant, we're trying to, you know, drill it into your head. What is important to you? What are you really looking for? And then when they do make that decision and understanding that, this is what you looked for. This is what you asked for. This is what you're going to get. If you're going to the four-year level and it's like, this is a program you might play a lot at. You've got four years. You might not play much your first year, but you might be an everyday guy years two, three, and four. Hmm. Right. But you got to understand that you're at the four-year level. You're 18 years old. You might have a 22 year old kid that's playing the same position at you, as you that's been there for four years already. That's getting hmm. it because of COVID and you're playing next to a full grown man who has experience nine times out of 10, that coach is going to trust that experience over. You might be more talented, but you're raw. Right. You, you don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You were an everyday, you know, 150 at bat guy in, in high school, but you have zero college at bats. Right. And you, you were touching on it earlier or, <clears throat> kind of before we had started talking about basically going back down levels on the totem pole sort of thing. It's like, you know, your top dog, when you come out and then you go into a new program, you go down on the pecking order, buddy. And that's just something I think kids, they, they hear, but they don't want to accept. Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, I, I look at alumni right now, like we have a, we have an alumni that, He's a senior at, uh, at Wright State University uh, that was a junior college transfer, put up really good numbers in junior college. And 
think he had less than 20 at bats as a junior, right? Now he's a catcher. So, you know, you're not, you know, you're not going to play every game likely as it is. Right. And you know that too, but you're a junior, you're coming in from a junior college where you hit over 320 both years. You would kind of expect that. Yeah. I'm going to go to a spot where I'm going to play, Well, you know what? He didn't, he didn't really play much. And I think he had a couple injuries throughout, which, which hurt it, but he's now like, he started both games against Vanderbilt this weekend. Yeah. Right? And it's, he earned his time. And I, I know guys that they, they sat for two full years before they got an opportunity. Yeah. Right. And then they go and it's when you get that opportunity, finding a way to make the most of it so that you don't lose it. Yeah. And I, and I was able to catch some of those games. I mean, I, I like the way he catches. So, um, you know, for me, like I was kind of excited to watch that game and go, Hey man, there's this kid from Wright state that knows what he's doing back there. You know, for a lot of the times for an international kid, junior college is the best route because they, they don't have the same restrictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can get out and you're going to get plenty of opportunities, whether you're playing 40 out of the 50 games in the season or not you've got a full 25, 30 games in the fall on a normal year that you're going to get into and you're going to play. And, you know, they might have two days. You're going to get tons of practice opportunities and, uh, and really get a chance to develop there. And it's a good opportunity for Canadians to try and make up for, I don't want to say lost time, but make up for what they couldn't do based on not being able to go do it all year round. Right. Yeah, being able to just hop in a car drive four hours south and find a tournament that's in nice weather for us i mean driving four hours south is putting us in the same weather environment that we're in right now uh you know so for us a lot of it's you know 10 12 hour drives or or hopping on a flight um which can get expensive Mm -hmm. Uh, you know so but even going to the four-year level uh you know, I, I care less if it's division one, division two, NAI, division three. Uh, if it's a fit for you, then I'm all for it. Let's try and find it. And there's quality baseball at every single level, you know, and you know, as well as I do, we watched something pretty special one summer together playing mm-hmm. where we saw a division two guy carve through the coastal plains league all year and not give up a run for 32 innings. And I can care less what level you play at to go throw 32 consecutive shutout innings is hard. Mm -hmm. Hard to do. Right. Yeah. And and just, and just in case nobody's paying attention to that, you are talking about yourself. Are you not? No, I'm not. (laughs) Uh, You know, I thought I had a pretty good summer that year too. I was like, sixth or seventh down the line in ERA that year. Yeah. I just, and, I just wanted people to know what kind of person you are, that you're not just sitting there kind of, you know, trying to pat yourself on the back. You are trying to give credit to somebody else. And dude, yeah. he went nine and Oh, with a 0. 0.74 ERA. That's, yeah. that's hard to do, man. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was just lucky to be on the team. I was, I was <laughs> myself in the lawn chair out in the bullpen every yeah. game. Right? Yeah. Chilling on the Hill. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but it, it doesn't matter what level you go to. If you have an opportunity to play, you're going to, you're going to enjoy it. Right. Mm-hmm. I had opportunities to go division one out of high school. I chose division two and, you know, people ask me like, Oh, well, what if you went to division one or what if you went junior college? Where, where could you have been? I'm like, no idea. I, I might not have gotten the same development. Could right. it have been a situation where, you know, I do develop and then possibly end up at a D one and who knows what happens. Yeah, absolutely. But I can probably almost guarantee that I don't throw as many innings as I did because 275 innings over four years, that's a lot of innings. It's probably, yeah, it's, it's a heck of, it's a heck of a, you know, stat sheet for someone, uh, depending on, you know, doesn't matter what level you're at. That's, that's an incredible stat sheet to have. Um, And I think, you know, looking back on your experience there is that, yes, you had a good experience. Therefore you can say, Hey, it's, this was the right fit for me. And you know, for sure, based on your experience there. And I think sometimes we're a little too cautious 
you know, somebody's going to have to go in and make a couple of mistakes in order to figure out that the, that the place that they're at is the right fit, but it just, it might be, I've got to go through some dirt and come clean out of the other side, but until I can make those mistakes and then see how the responses from my coaches and the people around me and my support groups, it's like, then you realize that this is really where you're supposed to be as opposed to other places that I've heard about where when somebody goes through the dirt or they go through the grind, there was nobody there to help them come out on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, that's for me, that's doing that background research and trying to find, you know, what is it like on the other side? Right. Those guys. Right. Yeah. And it, because no matter what you go in as a freshman, no matter where you go, you're going to struggle. You're going to deal with adversity right away. Uh, you're, it's the first time you're on your own where you're not going to school at eight o'clock in the morning and the bell rings at two 30 and you're done. That's not happening anymore, right? You've got to get yourself up to go to class. You've got to make sure that you're, you know, eating right. You've got to make sure that you're at practice on time. You've got to make sure that your grades are up. No one's going to be really checking on you for that, right? When the coach does check on you, it's probably too late, right? So that's where doing that research to try and find that fit. How are these kids taken care of? What is, like, that's that's one of my bigger questions now when I'm talking to coaches is, like, what's your team GPA like? Right. Because if they have a good team GPA, chances are they're on those guys about taking care of that. And that's going to be the biggest hurdle for some of these kids coming out of high school is time management and understanding how to go to, to class on time every day. Because no one's, no one's checking to make sure that you're in class, right? Like, that's on you. You've got to be there, right? And there's, there's programs out there that, yeah, they'll – they'll run around and, and check on your attendance and make sure you're there. But they're really only doing that to see, are you a guy that I can count on? Are you a guy that I can trust? Or are you going to be a guy that I'm kind of pushing to the side and turning my back on because you're not coming in and doing the right things. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. Right. And I'm trying to, trying to turn our program into the direction of almost treating it like a junior college to where like most of the guys I have, they're juniors and seniors in high school. Um, that's, that's my level. Uh, we get the occasional sophomore up with us, but we've got a, we've got a sophomore program and then we've got a, a freshman and, and eighth grade program as well. Um, I tried to put those in your terms so you could understand it. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm trying to treat it like a junior college program where I get these kids and they're juniors and seniors. I've got you for one, two years, and then you're out. Right. And it's, let's get you in, let's get you better. Let's get you out and let's get you where you want to go. And, you know, like I said earlier, we've got 17 kids that are graduating this year. Uh, we've got four left that are uncommitted and we started with 15 uncommitted in September. So, we've done a, a pretty good job. It's been a lot of work to try and get these guys placed. Um, but I'm excited to, I, I love when the baseball season starts up because I get to kind of go and, and check on the stats and see how some of these guys are doing and, you know, and kind of follow their career that way now. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, stay in touch with them to be like, you know, how are you liking it? Are you enjoying it? Are you happy? Right. Right. Yeah, doing your normal follow-up to make sure that you put them in the right scenario because yeah, you know, that, that falls back to you too. It's like, you know, uh, I think sometimes we get looked at if we're pushing a kid or we're trying to place them that once you leave, my hands are, my hands are clean. Like, no, we, we stay dug into this guy. We're focused. We're making sure that he has a best, you know, the best situation and the best four-year scenario he's in. And we, we keep track, you know, like I just saw on Facebook, like a kid that we placed when I was still with NSR, it's like, he's still tearing it up and it's nice to see him on Facebook or, you know, posting things and keeping in touch with him. Cause yeah, it's like, I want to see him do well. I don't want to just push him off to a program and go, it's your problem now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like now it's, you know, I don't get to play anymore. So right. I, you know, if, if I, if I help a kid find a spot and, and he's going down and he's having success and he's enjoying it, like that's what I like to see. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that's almost like, you know, seeing my own box score after I pitched a game, right? Like that's, Hey, he's doing well. Like we got a kid who, who started out his uh, first weekend had two home runs as a, a in one game. I'm like, that's yeah. awesome. And yeah. like, I don't know what it's like to trot around the bases. Cause I stopped hitting when I was right. Kid, but you know, 
I can imagine this, that's fun. Right. And so, you know, to see that he's having success and that he's happy is, you know, that's a bonus for, for me. Right. right. It's a job well done. You've, you've done what you're supposed you're to do. Happy. You're right. successful. We did good there. Right. And, you know, thankfully more often than not, that's the case where they are happy as opposed to unhappy and, and looking to transfer. Um, but, you know, I, I'm going to be there regardless, right? If you, if you're not happy and you want to transfer, I'm going to try and help you because at one point you played for me, right? You're still my guy, no matter what, all the hmm. way through my guy. And that eventually is going to end up coming back to where our coaching staff throughout our program right now is full of alumni with the exception of uh, me and my assistant who both happen to be from Ontario. Um, but everybody else played for the, for the Cardinals. Right. And now they're giving back and coaching. And at some point, right. They're going to, they're going to get a full-time job and it's, you know, they can't do it anymore and they just don't have the, the time commitment available to be able to do it. But that's where the next string of alumni come back in. And if you're always there for the guys, no matter what, uh, those are the guys that are going to come back and, and do that. And we've had guys that were in situations where they weren't sure if they were going to get their year back or not being at the four-year level, they weren't sure what was going to happen and they expressed interest in coming back and, and coaching and helping out and doing that because this is where it all started. Right. And so you know, you don't see that as often in the college level because guys are from all over, but in the high school travel level, when everyone's kind of from this area, if they come home, that's the team that they want to go to. They don't want to go to the, t the team that they competed against. They want to go back to their team, mm -hmm. right? So as much as, yeah, we might only have them for two years. They're coming home and they're hitting here at Christmas break. If right. You've got the family orientation set and you're, it's comfortable and it's home for them. Yeah. If they don't go and play summer ball somewhere, they're coming here and they're working out here and training here. And, and, you know, we might have a guy that comes home from school and he's like, Hey, I want to jump in the dugout and help out. Right. And we might have them bounce in with our, with our, uh, our 15 U program. Right. And, uh, you know, at that point they're 19, 20 years old, they've done a whole lot more than those 15 year old kids. They can, kind of help them through some of that and you know you know too like players listen to other players like they'll listen to the coach yeah but you know sometimes they'll tune that out as well and they'll but they'll always listen to another player right they'll always they'll always talk with them and and get a true true feel for how that program is um you know and so i i try and create an environment that you want to play at because that's going to be what you want to come home to. That's where you want to work after. Right. And you know, that's whether for me, a successful season, we play 48 games uh, and then playoffs for me, a successful season care less about that win loss record. Do I want to win? Absolutely. But if all graduating players are that want to go play are going to play somewhere, whether it's in, British Columbia here, Washington, Florida, Georgia, Texas, Iowa, Kansas. I don't care if they want to go play and they have a spot to go play at the end of the year. It's a win, right? If that's what you want to do, you want to go play somewhere and we have that spot where you're going to get your education and you're going to play. That's a win. We could go eight and 40 and I'll deal with the eight and 40 when I go home and that'll be That'll be a separate frustration, yeah. but uh, if if we go eight and forty, and we had ten guys that were looking for schools, and ten guys have schools, I'm good, right? Now, if you do your job right, and you're getting these guys schools that are good fits, and they're getting better and developing, you shouldn't go eight and forty. So, hopefully, we don't have to deal with that. But yeah, and and I love that because I I think that. Uh, that speaks on who you are as a coach, who you've been through your career and what you're trying to pass on into this next generation of ball player. And I think if we do our job right, it takes over and it takes care of itself. Um, 
So, yeah, I love all of that. And, you know, just kind of in closing and bringing us, you know, to a final couple of minutes here. Um, what do you have for the parents that are struggling maybe with the first thing you talked about was the financial scenario being the big issue for your guys. It's like how, or what can you touch on for parents who are watching this to try and ease their mind a little bit, or maybe get them thinking about something that they're probably not thinking about and where it can lead them in this stressful scenario. That is the recruiting process. Uh, well, aside from the exchange rate from Canadian dollar to us, which they all, you know, they're all aware of that. If they're aware of one thing for sure, that's what it is. Um, but a lot of, I think there's a misconception, um, for families out here that because the college baseball that's available here, aside from UBC and, and Douglas college is club programs, which you have to pay to play. I think there's a misconception that that applies everywhere and that you have to go down to junior college and pay to play as well um, or four year school and pay to play. You're not paying for baseball. You are paying for your tuition, your books, your fees, uh, your room and board, which is your housing and your meals. There's really no other expenses. And so I'll have that conversation with parents sometimes of they, you know, I I get a, I get a call from a, a junior college coach that, doesn't have much of a budget, but says, I can give you this. And at the end of the day, it's going to cost you $10,000 us that converts over to roughly 13,000 Canadian. And they're like, well, I can go to, to school here and it's, it's going to be cheaper. And it's like, okay, well that's 13,000 Canadian for this us school that that's covering your tuition for the year, your housing for the year and your meal plan for the year. And you're done. I said, you can go to school here. It's going to cost you roughly $4,000, probably another 4,500 to play. So you're at 8,500. Now let's say you're not living at home and you're renting an apartment. Well, rent here, you're probably looking at, you know, if you find a place that you can split with somebody and let's just use $500 for your portion of rent and, and living, let's use $500 for a month. So you've added another six grand. You're at 13 and a half Canadian. You haven't even talked about food. Right. So you're not having to worry about food when you go down to most of these schools. Yeah. There's a few that don't have, you know, a cafeteria or something like that. But a lot of times you're not having to worry about food. You're already paying for that. Right. And you're pretty much, uh, a lot of schools are good about it on, you know, accepting some sort of payment plan. But at the end of the day, it's like you're paying once for the fall. That's it. Then you've got four or five months before you got to pay again. Right. And then you pay and you're good for the year. Uh, and so I think for the parents, it's just understanding what you're paying for and where those costs are going. You are not paying just to play baseball. You're paying for the education. You're paying for their housing. You're paying for their meals. Normally that's the only three things that you're really worried about. And so I'll explain it with them of, you get this cost from the, from the school, you get this big giant number back and you kind of look at it like you just went to Costco and you got this big bill, right? And now they're offering you a scholarship and that scholarship is a giant gift card to try and knock that, that, uh, that dollar figure down, right? And so whatever you can get academically is a huge boost, right? But then trying to explain to them as well, your academic money is always going to be better uh, coming out of high school than it is as a transfer. So if you are a very strong academic student and that financial aspect is very important to you, understanding that four-year schools are always going to cost more than junior college, but they're also going to be able to provide you better academic money. It could become a comparable cost. If you're okay, possibly going down and maybe sitting your first year Right. But still getting that education, still getting the housing and meals paid for sitting that first year and then playing a lot years two, three and four. Right. That academic money is going to ride all the way through as long as you continue to take care of what you're supposed to. But you take that opportunity and then you decide to, to call it call it quits at that program and, and try and transfer that academic money that you could have got from this other program at a high school is gone. 
now you're looking at getting the transfer scholarship, which might be $2,000 and that's it. So now you're taking a $40,000 program. Yeah. Even if they give you 10,000 from baseball and they could have given you 10,000 from, uh, from academics at a high school and now you've cut it in half and you're at 50%, they might only be able to give you, you know, $10,000 total. And now you're at 25% right. and you've got to come up with this other 30. So then you got to kind of ask yourself, is it worth it to leave? Right. And a lot of the times we're not having to deal with that, thankfully. Um, but it's just making the parents aware of everything and trying to be as transparent as possible with them because they've never been through it. Right. They, you know, and if they have, and they went through it themselves, Things have changed a lot in the last, you know, 15, 20 years from when they are uh, even the last 15 to 20 months. <laughs> right. And it's just trying to be as transparent as possible with them and, and trying to help them through the process. And, and, you know, if I don't know the answer to one of their questions, I'm going to ask, right. I'll talk to the coach and, and ask them and guess what, when they don't know, they'll go ask someone too, so that they know. Right. And it's so it's just trying to be upfront, honest and transparent. And, and anytime a kid is considering committing and they're like, yeah, I, I think I'm going to commit to this program. One of the first questions I ask is, and you and your family are good with this. Like you understand it, you know what it's going to cost. You're, you're good. And they're like, yeah. And like your parents are good. Yeah. Okay. And I, and I, I got to trust my guys, right? I got to trust that they've had those conversations. Um, and, you know, most of the time it, it's good. I don't get a follow-up email saying, hey, why is my son, you know, applying to this school and I've got to pay this amount of money. So thankfully the guys are good and, and they do talk to the families. But, um, you know, I, I'm not afraid to sit down and have a meeting with, with parents and, and explain the situation to the best of my knowledge for it. Um, and try and help them through this process as well. Cause at the end of the day, they're the ones that are paying for it all. They're the ones that are paying for the experience now in high school and our program. And they're asking for my help to try and move their, their son on. And so in a way it's almost like I'm an extension of each and every family because you're asking my help to try and place your kid. Well, my name goes with him. So it's almost like he's my kid too, in a way. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's an awesome way to kind of finish it up. Cause I think that's, that's what we all, the good ones, right. All of the ones that have touched your career and the guys that have touched my career. It's like at the end, they were an extension of the family. They were, you know, in it for more than just my success on the field. It was, it was about making sure that your fit was the fit that was best for you as a person. And I think that's exactly what you just touched on. And I'm hoping that all your guys find that. And I think, you know, if they've got you in their corner, I think it's going to happen for them. Yeah. I think the the biggest thing would be, you know, if you continue to stay in touch with guys that have played for you at some point beyond when they're still playing for you, um, that's like kind of the biggest testimonial you can get, right. Of they want to stay in touch with you. If you get, you know, I, I'm not at the point in my career yet where I'm going to be getting wedding invites. Um, I'll, I'll still get those from players uh, that I've played with. But, you know, at that point to get that wedding invite or, you know, or any sort of, you know, big moment in their lives to get that from guys that have played for you, um, you know, that's going to be that big testament. So I'm, I'm still early in that. I'm hoping that, you know, <laughs> None of my guys are out there getting married at 19 years old. Um, but, you know, to get those messages one day, that's going to be kind of the big thing, right? So it's still some some unknowns of, of uh, where it'll be. But, you know, I appreciate you saying that, you know, it should happen at some point, um, you know, and uh, it's always always good to see John and you know, give Caitlin and Oliver my best. And I will. Hopefully, uh, hopefully this COVID stuff dies down soon so that, uh, yeah. you know, you can, you can be uncle John here in the middle of the summer 
Yeah, and we'll have to bring your nephew Oliver over, you know, so uh, and get his experience and his taste of, you know, travel and West Coast life. And, you know, I think it'll be beneficial for everybody. And seeing how you guys are as new parents, I think it'll be a lot of fun. And we'll we'll maybe be able, maybe we'll be able to coerce Jacoby and and his lo- lovely lady over there too. So, yeah. well, you know, she is Canadian, so yeah, that's what I heard. So there's there's something about us, right? You, <laughs> you other you Southern guys want to want to be involved and and stay in touch with us don't call me southern i'm not southern i'm a west coast born and bred guy that just happens to live in georgia and like it a lot more than california yeah you're southern now Uh, well okay fine they've they've taken me into their arms and i'm fine with it um but as always man wish you the best of luck if if there's anything i can do man you just let me know absolutely man i appreciate you having me on uh we'll be sharing this podcast and hopefully uh hopefully it grows and next thing you know it's a it's a huge deal. So yeah, I'm hoping so, but we'll, we'll start small and work our way there. Yeah. All right. Bye. See ya.